I said it when we covered UHF, and I'll say it now that we're what? covering Ichi the Killer. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's felt bass laughter you're hearing is mm. from our guest this week on Frame Rate, the show where we rate frames. I'm Michael Swain. I'm Abe Epperson. And with us is our very special guest. Please introduce yourself. Uh, my name is uh, Brooks Brown. Thank you so much for being here. Thank Brooks. you so much for having me to discuss what is, I consider, a very distinguished art house film. Yeah. It's the cult following, for sure. The cut on Amazon begins with like the kind of thing a Hitchcock Criterion collection. It's like, <laughs> it does this actually. was shot in this place, and then it, the nitrate was based bathed in Italy mm-hmm. and it was transferred to this mm-hmm. uh, and I, then smash cut to come <laughs> yeah. yeah so you can really be smelling the film and like God. really into it and then it's well, just it's the texture of every moment <laughs> yeah. that they really want to get across just, yeah. so I did tell myself I'd do a bit of a trigger warning only because oh it's uh, a little too late sorry uh, about as that as lovers of film that's fine uh, we love all kinds of film, and that also has to include the extremity of film. But I think up till now we haven't. If people are just like, see this title in their feed and go, I'll check it out before I listen to the episode. <laughs> this is not that movie. <laughs> yeah. So this movie revels in violence, particularly violence against women. Uh, we'll unpack. I don't know if it's okay or not. We'll discuss that. But basically my defense is, uh, Takashi Miike, the director, is notable and great at his craft. There's just no way around it if you study his whole career. Mm. Um, and it's considered an important film, and I think for valid reasons, it may actually be my favorite, in terms of a, like most well-crafted comic book film, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, it's the movie that my friends like locked me in my dorm and put on so, to make me prove I was a man. Like, you haven't seen Ichi the Killer, dude? It, it is <laughs> one of those sort of hazing moment films. And yes. it's, it's a movie, there's a handful of them that I love so very, very, very much. And it's the reason that people don't ask me for movie recommendations. Mm. So, because my <clears throat> recommendations are worthless for the most part. For a long time, disagree, but for a long time, I had wanted Adam Ganser to cover each of the killer because right. he's like the sweetest guy we know and it would have been I, I just wanted like an hour of him going like why did we do this why did you but i want to ask you brooks what what's the appeal for you of movies like that because i like kind of all movies and yet i'm very picky but i mean every stripe of movie and i know you and several other friends who like lots of movies but have a special place in their hearts for extreme horror so but what do you think is the appeal I, of using I don't film know if to explore this stuff? It's not maybe extreme horror. I, my favorite movies, if I were to just pick out my top ten, across the board, all of them are pretty much movies that I would say the director made for themselves or wrote for themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's a passion project that I think you can see comes through everything. Like Mandy's, one of my favorite movies of all time. No. Synecdoche, one of my favorite films of all time. Each of the Killer, one of my favorite. None of those films were made for an audience. Like, at no point was there a marketing department involved. There wasn't cuts from the studio demanding new things. Yeah. It's, there's a purity to them. And Ichi is one of those where, uh, and I, like I, I laughed about with you earlier, uh, I thought I had seen almost everything he'd made. Not even close. Like, I, I realized I've seen maybe six of his 30, 40, 50, 70 he's films. prolific. Extremely yeah. prolific. And most of them you can't even find, as far as in I know. In the States, easily. Right? Yeah. So... 
this was my introduction to him, which went on to become Audition as me another, too. and I exact love Audition. Same mm-hmm. for me, yeah. Have you seen The Happiness of the Katakuris? I have not yet. It's his best, in Very my opinion, good. because it's comedy. Right. Well, that's what well, I was saying. Is- Ichi kind of is, too. It's, okay. it's different comedy. Okay. <laughs> in the Criterion Collection, like, spiel, it says, like, this controversial, violent, but often hilarious film. And I was like, hilarious, really? Like, hilarious, hilarious might be the wrong word. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious like most animes are hilarious, which is not very. <laughs> it's extreme. And you're like, whoa, that blood but shot out so much there's, that it's there's, funny. <laughs> but there's peculiar moments where like uh, uh, Kakiara, the main mm-hmm. character, he like... He sees something and I can't remember what he's looking at, but he just falls into like uh like a bed of pillows. It's like in a brothel. It's a, and he's just yeah. like sitting there and you're like, why is he acting like that? That's peculiar. Well, it's because Kano, who had plastic surgery and is currently right, encased in the a Kano. television, <laughs> yeah. exposed to everyone. <laughs> That he loves his syndicate boss, not in a sexual way, but because only a syndicate boss can pain and degrade him yeah. to the degree that gives him some kind of masochistic euphoria. Yeah. It's the only way he experiences pleasure and love is yes. through the pain given to him by Anjo. Yeah. And that bums him out, so he needs a rest and some pillows. So he has a little <laughs> nappy, and it's cute, yeah. and it's weird. I wouldn't say it's haha hilarious, but I, I don't know. There's just like weird I, affectations. That I, are I, I know I react poorly at films, mm-hmm. uh, and I always have a House of a Thousand Corpses, the scene where he comes running at the girl wearing her dad's skin, screaming, who's your daddy? <laughs> I literally burst mm-hmm. out laughing in the theater, and I had people get up who were sitting next to me and move. Like, I know yeah. I'm that guy. Yeah. Throughout this movie, the first time I saw it, and it's, it's changed over time because the violence of films has become much more in line right. with, I think, what Mike does. But back at the time, it was so... Everything was beyond over the top. Right. And, mm-hmm. and well, I'm sure we'll get into every little detail of all the things that happened, but everything that happened, I guffawed at because it was so absolutely absurd. Oh, I actually felt... But I'm a bit of a wimp. <laughs> like, I felt haste. Like, watching it in that dorm room, I was like... Oh, God, why? Why are they doing this to me? Mm-hmm. I felt the horror of it, and yet I like movies that also make me feel that way. Like, why do you go on a roller coaster? You know, right. sometimes yes. you want to feel uncomfortable. Um, I don't know much about the history of the manga, and maybe no one here does, but okay. Because you said there wasn't built-in PR, and I do believe it feels like a film with no studio oversight, but I wonder if the manga audience was huge by the time it got you know, greenlit. I, I have to assume, I mean, uh, afterwards I did go back and read some of it and it's yeah. very, evo- the transfer is almost exact. And like uh, in comparison to like a it's battle feels angel, faithful. You battle angel tell. just came out. Battle angels famous for being this hyper violent, crazy over the top thing. Mm-hmm. And they didn't do that, uh, with the film. The film is not that it's very much right. focused on the hunger games audience, which is different. Uh, so they that transfer of violence usually doesn't happen. And with this, it's so spot on. Some of the scenes are shot for shot, the violence in the actual manga. It feels like it. And that's why I say like, it might be in my opinion, the most faithful or at least like the spirit of it. So comes through that Mike truly adapted the comic like to the point that the opening credit sequence use is just a cavalcade of film techniques used to make visual images that are reminiscent of classic like manga background techniques like the starburst 
or the blurry around the subject and shit. Or, or the scene where uh, the names of the characters are in the bike sh- spots, the, yeah, yeah, where, yeah. where it's in the gears, yeah. which is very, again, evocative of how they do sound effects and how they do that cut inside a manga. Yes. It's, it very much has that feel throughout. And then it has to be said, your protagonist watches a woman get raped and comes, and the come becomes the title of the film. And it's a yeah. giant puddle dripping off of a plant. Uh, Miki's got some interesting uh, techniques after <laughs> in like post, especially like when he's doing distribution of films. For example, he said, he said, and to this day has said that that is real cum. Holy shit! Yeah, you know, I don't. Also, I don't want to. Also. He uh, oh. he argued he he uh, he was behind the effort of when it started playing theater, mm-hmm. where they would hand out you know how they like hand out three D goggles yeah. for yeah. like three D pictures. He would just throw cum at people. No, uh, <laughs> vomit, vomit bags. bags. Okay, because one person fainted, and he was like, "I bet that." Like, let's use this moment. So he did his like, own gimmick. He did work. his own gimmick work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, which you know, you do what you can. You gotta get make that money. Yeah, and also I wouldn't put it past him to say it's come whether it was or not. Yeah, exactly. And I could believe it. was And I come. would believe it was. No, that's <clears throat> not. I, I would believe it was his come because I gotta say Tarantino obviously owes Mike a lot, a ton. And oh, yeah. uh, Tarantino's the kind of guy that would be like, eh, it should probably be my cum. <laughs> yeah, in that voice. That's probably how he said it. And yet I think what separates this from truly, like movies so exploitative and awful that I won't name them because you shouldn't seek them out. Um, there's a reason the title is his cum. <laughs> like, things are actually supported in this. Mm. And uh, I will admit, the first time watching it, I was not as sophisticated a film viewer and just sort of like waiting for the next violent thing and then like girding my loins for it that I didn't piece together the plot fully and was like, I guess it's like Japanese weirdness. But this time, no, it's a very tight, like Chinatown type noir plot where everything makes sense. Everyone's motivations are just that they are sadists or masochists yeah. or can only feel alive when raping or being raped like if they everyone just inhabits mind states that most people walking the earth thankfully don't share and yet everyone operates logically based on their thing and i just i don't know i was like the script is so much tighter than i remember there are great twists like when it's revealed that uh, Gigi, the old man, implanted the memory mm-hmm. that is Ichi's origin story. Great, like, unfolding of, like, first, you see these flashbacks, they slowly build. If you're good at movie watching, you go, I know this will build into eventually revealing the full flashback. It does. You go, that makes sense. That's why Ichi's like that. Then an act later, you find out a hypnotist implanted that memory. Mm-hmm. And I just love, I mean, that's classic one-two punch of twists and shit. Right. I just think if you can like squint your eyes past all the horror shit, it's a fucking tight ass movie. It's, it's extremely so tight, and, it, and I think the, everything that they do around Ichi, I love because it's they try to play him off from the very beginning as a sympathetic character. He plays pathetic, yeah. Despite watching a woman get raped, despite being the psychotic murderer, all of these things I'm saying don't sound pathetic <laughs> in and of themselves. <laughs> but they play him off as this guy who's just a fucking sad loser. Yeah, and they do that through the whole movie and he never has a redemptive moment. It's the opposite of kind of everything in American cinema. He never has that. Whereas the opposite, uh, yeah. uh, Kaneko, uh, the, the dude, who's yep. the main dude, 
he has his almost redemptive moment at the end. Um, which the, is, he's one of the thugs who you sort of become like you become in, more acquainted with him. Oh, he's, he's a got a child. Yeah. He's got a kid, <laughs> and, yeah. and he's and he has his. Even it's just the weirdest way that he plays these forces. That again, it's one of the reasons I fell in love early on, and I still love watching the movie. I watched it a couple times since we you said mm-hmm. we're going to be doing H. I'm like fantastic. Um, the the way they play the characters is so the opposite of how normal films do these standard tropes. I just fell in I fall in love with it every time I watch it. Yeah, I find that that's probably the. So this is my first time watching it, uh, and, and I'm not as uh, gung ho about it as you guys are. I, I find it fine. Uh, it's no, it's it, very it tight. doesn't stand up. I think no, it's not that. It's I think exactly what you're saying is the best part of it. I think it does a great job of not landing at stake. Uh, in terms of the violence battle, because if you fly, if you hop right over to Tarantino and like what was going on in two thousand one with like and even earlier uh, in America, I mean, Kill Bill is literally yeah origin story say, is a rape. She gets raped again almost right. at the hospital, and everyone gets their throats. Slit. Say what you want <laughs> about how uh, fucked up some of the cinema, especially in Japan, is about sexuality. Uh, one thing that they don't do in this movie is they present you with two options of how we glorify or degrade violence in typical, like you're saying with the protagonist. One is literally looks like a boy and his arc is essentially he has a traumatic disorder and his uh and violence is essentially ruined his life and then you have someone who is looks like they're a video game character and someone that you would play would that would be like a badass awesome. like oh this yes. is the most badass uh, guy you've ever seen this is maybe terrible to say but I think Kagari is awesome. Yeah. No, no, he is. But that's he's, the inversion that I'm talking about. He eats about. people's fists. It's crazy. He even has a redemptive story arc almost at the end yeah. in his own <laughs> fucked up sexuality way. And so he's reminiscent of the kind of thing that like, I would say American culture typically glorified in. It's like, check out this awesome motherfucker mm-hmm. killing a lot of fools. That is a good thing. It's always a good thing. No questions. Here's Mike presenting two things and asking kind of a question. Like, what does it mean? I don't know. Like, what if it's he's crazy that? that violence does these t- can do these two things? But also, I think in American culture, this is true because we have a strong puritanical streak. But Japan also has, you know, like the pixelated porn laws and stuff. They have mm. issues mm. with sexuality, and I think that's that is reflected in the same way that it would be in Amer- in an American film where it's like. Okay, you're okay with violence, but how come if now there's a sexual dimension, you're like, ooh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it's not like it's hard to judge culture from any like any spot. But I would say that if we wanted to, you know, broaden and generalize, I'd say that there we're as backward about violence here in America Definitely. than they are about sex in Japan. I mean, and I'm not trying to overgeneralize, but right. I do think it is possible and fruitful to sometimes talk about the dialectic between exactly. a cultural consciousness and the stories they tell themselves. Well, and, and, and Mike himself, it's uh, as I was watching last, uh, uh, last night, and I was looking through the way that the violence is portrayed throughout the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
everything, and it's I, I have a quote from Mika because I started looking out like he had to have been asked about these things at some point. It's been right. twenty freaking years. Like someone had to ask. But uh, every character has a reason that the violence happened to them or from them, mm. and it's I'm not a justifiable reason. I'm not saying justice, but I'm mm. saying like there's reasons. Every woman's a prostitute. It's her pimp. Like there's all this. Right. The way Mika says it is he goes, uh, for me, putting so much blood in a movie isn't really scary. When I watch a regular Hollywood movie like, let's say, Dirty Harry, where the hero is killing so many people, including just bystanders, and it doesn't apply to anything, that's far more horrific to me. Yeah, it's that's like exactly right. Hard to argue, that's a great yet quote. being acculturated by my culture and programmed by my culture. Exactly. When I watch this, it scans as worse, and yet in a way it's actually just more honest. In the it's same way blood. that when we just watch an action film and it's just like shooting at Robocop like, shooting everybody. This is nice that I don't and have we to go, feel And we anything. don't even think about it. <laughs> yeah. We just watch it and just assume, like, Robocop's They're a little dead, more gross though. than the average franchise, actually. What? Robocop? I mean, it was famous for being... A little gorier than your average AAA blockbuster at yeah. the time, but pick any, pick True Lies, like some even well, even broad ones. Sanitized, I'm not even saying, sanitized. But you're talking about he kills a ton of people. We never see the name of. We never hear the name right, of. Right. People exactly. die left it's, and right. It's a movement. It's not a film. It's a, yeah. it's a it's a group think. It is interesting that in this, it's more like a play where you're like. Yeah, that guy, the faceless thug that's Gigi's right-hand man. Yeah. Then an hour later, you're like, no, he's Long the Chinese Pimp. He right. has this perversion. He does this. Like, you know everyone. It's a small community, And actually. everything's right. deeply up close. Like, the, yes. the, the really uncomfortable, uh, and like you, I like weird emotions during films. Yeah. Discomfort's one that's amazing. Uh, the rape scenes are really uh, convincing. Yes. And yeah, I am uh, just... It's like straw dogs up in here. Jamie it's... Loftus would not like this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's fine. And I don't know... Yeah, I do believe in the... It as- sucks. I do it's, believe in storytelling, normalizing things. So I do believe that, like, yeah, if you watched a million rapes on film, that may have some effect on you. Still chose to cover this movie. I, I don't know what to say. That I mean, that's what we're talking about. We're talking yeah. about this, like, these clusters of, like negative thought and uh, a, a simulation of like bad logic by cultures that we do all the time. And yet how can we, we are backward in so many ways. And yet it's also bullshit for storytelling to admit extremities that happen in life every right. day. Um, Abe, I want to ask since I forgot it's your first time watching. Yeah. Did it arouse in you? No. Are you like dead inside <laughs> or well, as a film watcher? Cause we've done this too long or did it ever arouse in you? Like, uh, even if you were like, I don't actually think that, but just on an emotional level, based uh-huh. on our, you know, where you are in life and your cultural, sure. program, yeah. Were you ever offended? Thought like, well, this is exploitative, or just like, I am uncomfortable. This is I pretty think, gnarly. I think there's something. Uh, or were fun- you like, this is all fine? Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> as a, a filmmaker, I like to pride myself on walking into like a house like an architect, right? So, I there is this weird like satisfaction that I get from being disassociated from that and not feeling <laughs> like the point that like movies are supposed to be. So I, I, I guess my, I did think about that after. Cause I was like, Oh, that's actually interesting about how it's talking about violence. That sex stuff though. Fuck, fuck them. Uh, but I also, when I was watching it and witnessing it took note that it was like, well, that was unnecessary. It wasn't like that. Uh, not be there because it didn't need to be there. Not because like what message is it sending to people who are watching the films? What does it verify in us? Like the things that we're like, yeah, that's totally 
how women are or yeah, that's totally how I don't think it's trying to say it. I no. don't think so. But people can inter- internalize. Yes, that of, that's, course, of course. That's one of the uh, double edged swords of ha- making Art. a movie that asks questions and doesn't give answers. Because on right. the answer side, you have propaganda where it's like, oh, yeah, fucking Arnold. He killed it. And he was awesome. Complete film. Done. Be like Arnold. Then go home and be like, take my gun from my cold dead yeah. hands. And it's like, you got that from watching Arnold Schwarzenegger. But if you yeah. make a film that is like, <laughs> but that was kind of harrowing and yeah. and terrifying. Uh, and there's, not no, and there's great, no one to emulate in this movie. Yeah, everyone is a piece of shit. And not only that, no one gets justice in a way that it seems Takeshi? justified. I would say that the funniest, the only time I They're laughed out loud them. is when Takeshi the little kid... When I mean, okay, so I, I do love the little yeah. kid. He's, One of my the kid is great. I'll say I've said this before, maybe on camera, Mike before because we talk about it a lot. I think the ultimate episode of any sitcom ever is the Peep Show wedding episode Where, because yeah. it totally capitalizes on a wedding episode is the culmination of eighty percent of traditional sitcoms. And it does the opposite at every fucking turn yeah. of, and yeah. makes it the worst wedding. And not like, shit went wrong in a crazy way. Like, like the office. This is depressing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's hilarious to me. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you have Ichi the Killer, which if you don't know, very basic Japanese means number one killer. <laughs> and yeah. he straight up is. He's like a force of nature where... He's crying, he's sobbing, he doesn't want to fight, and then something clicks, so and funny. you're dead instantly. Nothing, you, nothing can stop him. Then you have Kagahari, who enjoys pain and is the other ultimate killer you see kill everyone with no problem. They're always destined to meet. It's going to be the climactic battle, and then the whole point of the battle is that Ichi doesn't want to fight, so Kagahari kills himself, which to me is fucking Beautiful subversion of what every any action fight sequence at right. the end of the movie would be. But then the funniest shit, of course, is all Ichi does is crumple down and cry. And Takeshi, the little kid, goes and kicks, kicks the him shit out of him forever. Like, <laughs> forever, yeah. For like five yeah. minutes. Because <laughs> he just killed his dad. It's like viable. Well, and it's, it's that scene comes after it's. Oh, this movie, there's so much, many awful moments. Uh, the one that I think makes me. The most uncomfortable and also probably my favorite where it becomes like, oh, this is a commentary. It's the first moment I really began to hate Ichi was when he saves the prostitute, his favorite prostitute. Yes. And then he says to her, don't worry, I'll be the one to punch you from now on. Yes. Yeah. And And also she's like, oh, "Oh, thank you. Yeah. But she turns around. She's like, thank you. Like, oh, shit. This guy's a psycho. She grabs the bat. And as she swings it, he kills her. Because, because if he's, you attack him, you die. He you die instantly, himself. yeah. Right, right. But he was already going to attack her and punch her a lot because he will punch her. her. And this is where it gets very dark, but something that I'm like, having a social work girlfriend, having a mom who was a child psychiatrist for children with troubles, mm-hmm. this, is not, this is within the realm of the scope of human experience. He's deeply, deeply mentally ill, and he can't unconflate violence and sex, and he thinks that he has this fixation around this implanted memory where he feels that he could have saved this girl who saved him from bullies and then got raped. And he doesn't understand. He thinks the romantic version is that she wanted him to rape her and then she would have liked it and they'd live happily ever after. So as fucking hor- like it's as dark as it could possibly be, 
I totally get the structure of that as a mental illness that could happen. Totally agree. It's that, the thing that elevates it mm. is he has knife shoes that kill anyone and he wears a yeah, superhero suit. Shoes. Well, it, it's yeah, why Daredevil it's, suit. It's, it's why I love that moment as the subversion because the entire purpose of Ichi is, in my mind, to play on the idea of what we consider to be a superhero. And I think that's the same in yes. the manga. It's the idea of, on the surface, we have these guys who dress up in ridiculous outfits with knife boots or whatever that are going around and he does, he saves people's lives in theory. Like that's the surface. We don't ever, but even with Batman, it's not like we see what Batman comes to. Like we don't see this other side of superheroes often. It's, it's other animal human hybrids. (laughs) God. Um, Anyway, uh, but with Ichi, we never, we see that we see his Mm -hmm. consistent sexual deviations throughout. And so it adds another layer to his heroism being villainous. We actually right. dislike his heroism, and when he gets to that point, it becomes a total subversion where he actually does something evil right. based on that subversion, and it becomes surface well, level. The That's moment, why I love that sort of change The in moment him. we're talking about, I think, is actually a crazy, deep, and like sharp moment for Ichi because it's in the midst of someone fucking with him. It reminded me of that scene in Memento where he's sitting with a woman who lied to him, and he mm. slowly realizes it, but then mm. she gaslights him again until his memories fade. This is where, uh, because he's being gaslit by Gigi into this weird circumstance, he has this crazy insight, he thinks, where he goes, I get it. I'm not evil. The people I kill don't want to die because they do want to die. It also reminds me of 1984. It's like, he doesn't want to be bad. He says a lot, I want to stop killing. So the only way this broken mind can rationalize is he goes, oh, I finally get it. Up is down, left is right, right is wrong. I'm not bad. The people want to die. People who get raped want to get raped. I get it. And then from that point in the movie forward, he's off the rails killing good people too. Like that's the moment where he breaks protocol. I also want to go one step further with a pet theory that I'm sure has been posited online before. I think Ichi and Kakahari are literally Batman and the Joker. Uh, I I think it's hard not to see that. Okay, like okay, I didn't know because Kakahari is straight up wears like a shimmery purple green vest, pulls green handkerchiefs. I out also of his do want to say it's my favorite suit I've ever seen. His his jacket in the final fight, I'm like, his where can I buy pants. that? Jacket? His pants too. They're the same material. Where is that yes. stuff, man? That's why you want to play him as in a, in a video game. Well, we had a shimmer jacket like that in AOC, and we didn't go with it because it didn't show up like that on film. I'm right. also like, how'd they make it show? Oh, it the looks shimmer? because they shot it on film. <laughs> yeah, in 16 millimeter. Yeah, instead of video. Um, but yeah, I mean, no, I don't even know to the he's point. Directly, that Joker. You're the, completely right. To yeah. the point that I'm yeah. sure Chris. Uh, now I feel like the Chris Nolan scars on Joker's mouth are. Kakahari reference. Uh, so, yeah, if you want cool, it's also just got that classic manga coolness factor I think you want. Like Kakahari's introduced with shot of the back of his head, who's this guy, Sm- cigarette smoke comes out of both of his cheeks, turns uh, around and you realize his mouth is slit at the corners. And, and it great. still stands up. It's shitty CG that somehow still stands up, I think. The CG of the bisected guy falling in a half. A little bit less. You're like, you tried your best. A little bit less. The smoke out of the cheeks, though. Uh, I had to watch it a couple times before mm-hmm. I went, oh, that's completely fake. Although the CG is dated unavoidably, I do appreciate the mix of practical and mm-hmm. CG. Uh, and yeah, I don't, I don't fully know what elevates it beyond something like 
Hostile. We recently covered Bone Tomahawk, and we talked about what elevates that above something like Hostile, which is like the addition of empathy. I don't know if you've seen it, so don't. I have. Okay. But like Richard Jenkins bringing the love and the, you know, the kindness that the sheriff shows makes the slaughtering that's happening in front of him worse because so, you empathize. I, I'm, I'm one of the few people who didn't like any of the Hostiles. Like I, okay. I get the idea. I like the I didn't effects. Like so when I watch Hostel, I'm like, the only thing I can appreciate is the craftsmanship of the gore of effects. The gore, yeah. Why does it the, feel so God, empty? Good. But I it's don't because know. it just goes for darkness. Like it, Ichi, we can empathize in some <laughs> fucked up way. <laughs> sure. I'm like no, no we one, can. Yes, we're humans, and right. that's the way it works. None of us are perfect. We can empathize in some way. Our path gets us here. What? And we're naturally, again, he's the superhero. We're naturally predisposed to try to figure out why is he like how he is. is were his parents killed in the back alley? What is the... Yes, like, by him. By, by him. him. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he's a psychopath before Jesus he Christ. was gaslit. Let's all be honest about it. He's yeah. He's mentally ill from the get-go. Straight from the start. Yeah. Right, he, but Gigi's hypnotism... Gigi's just a monster. As he says himself, I went too far because I added sexuality to it, and now he's really weird. Yeah, like, no, he basically like, says that to The violence is fine. But it's yeah. it's it's with hostile. It's straight up just darkness. Mm-hmm. But Bone Tomahawk, the characters have depth. They're yeah, not just yeah. some shallow trope of oh, here are some shitty tourists, which is right. basically the story of Hostel. <laughs> yeah. It's tourists I hate, and they're the yeah. Americans I hate when I go oh, abroad. Green Inferno too. Now that I realize it, it's, it's like kind of tourists. Yeah. It's kind of just yeah. That. It also ignores tropes. Like I wouldn't say that the. I mean, they are deeper than the hostile characters, but I wouldn't say Bone Tomahawk's characters are particularly deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I no, think this movie true. is deeper only because you have two protagonists really that you focus on and dwell on their, you know, internal plight. I still am going to say the same thing that I said about when I in the Bone Tomahawk thing, which it's it's all about dynamics. It's about you make someone feel something by having a clear character, and then you take that clear character and you show them something that is a like completely divergent to the path that they're on and it's show- and it makes them doubt things it makes them go like i thought i was gonna do this i thought it was gonna go this way and it just doesn't it makes it like really haunting because it means that your expectations of the unknown are gonna go better than they ever do and it switches who you root halfway through the film i and i think it i don't know if it's the same as when i first watched it i've watched the movie a lot in 20 years yeah but when he goes and he cuts his own tongue off as payment to the bosses right mm-hmm. I kind of went, fuck, that guy's cool. Like, it was this moment in my brain, like, switched over where yeah. he kind of become the guy I was, I could get behind him. For like, me, it was the pillows moment. It's when you fully understand his, be- because that's when the moment where you go, and I like this about, like, a crime drama. The goal of the most active character is to find Anjo. You saw Anjo die in the first scene. Yeah. So when you fully understand, right. this is this kind of, love that I can't fully understand, but I know what it is to love something or someone. And he's doing this out of pure love and the desire to recapture a euphoria he's never felt since Anja left. I was like, oh, I can sympathize Fair. with him now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned, because actually to me, the saddest moment. Okay, I'll unpack that next. Actually, I'm sorry. I want to ask Abe so that we don't divert too fast. I want What dynamics are working on me? Because... Unless I'm wrong, every sequence features a grotesque gore effect. Mm-hmm. So there's not a dynamic range in that way. What would you call the dynamics? Like what I think there? the dynamics, uh, I think it's the, so the well-worn trope that we're used to mm-hmm. is the Kakihara one, which is that 
he is a stoic killer. Mm-hmm. So the dynamics are playing with this trope, and that goes into something that I want to talk about, which I think this movie has the wrong protagonist. But uh, what's going on is he, that you buy, but it's really the crying and wailing of uh, Ichi that really gets us. It's the idea that it's he is disturbing. a boy, yeah. and it causes a, a like instinctive disturbing yeah, feeling. Okay, they yeah. remind. Have you guys seen Cowboy Bebop? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Have you? Course. Do you remember the episode Pierre LeFou? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is not sure. is that's basically this, right? It's a guy who yes. is like uh, injected with super soldier serum and beaten up to become a perfect soldier, right? And the doctor has a cat dog, and a the bad un- version of that, yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> at the end, it's basically just like anytime he sees a cat, he immediately turns into a sobbing child and falls to the ground, yeah. even though he in, he's otherwise invulnerable. I will say I always find it disturbing when the killer is weeping or apologizing as they kill, which is not done a lot, but I've seen it a couple times. I've seen it a couple times. It always gets me. Yeah, it's pretty fresh. Uh, Upgrade was really good because it gets to the point where he's killing people amazingly efficiently and going, oh, God, (laughs) no, No, stop it. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so what I was going to say is the moment I felt the saddest was you brought up Brooks uh, Conoco, Uh who like... At, from the midpoint on, starts to become more and more important, does have one of the only times there's a scene with no violence in it, which is he unknowingly treats Ichi like his son. Like, it's very I, kind I love that Ichi. scene so much. Mm. It's, it's very impactful and complex. Um, the saddest I ever was was when he stomps the prostitute to death, a la Joey Pants and Sopranos, just flipping out and killing a prostitute, because I was like, oh, there's no one good. And I thought they were making him good. But you said he sort of has his redemption moment, Brooks, and I'm wondering what you thought that moment was. So for me, it was uh, towards the end there where his son became a man because that was the discussion Kaneko's having with Ichi as they're eating, Mm -hmm. is talking about growing up and all of that. And by the end, uh, well, he couldn't be the thing that stopped Ichi. His son actually was the one who kicked the shit out of Ichi at the very end, which in my mind is a Kaneko sort of... To me, that closes his loop on his story because his son is ultimately the reason he failed, became a hired gun, yeah, uh, and did what he did was all for his son. And then his son is actually the thing that stops Ichi, sort of. It's awkward. Yes. It, no, it's Not true. what I'm saying is... No, it's cyclical in the way where it's like, the only thing that could beat the greatest killer ever is just the, the new, child. Well, the and, new, and, yeah. and it's the child it's, who uh, couldn't Omar stand up Michael. to bullies. That's why I really liked it because yeah. Ichi saves him from the bullies, yes. sort of awkwardly yeah not uh, wanting to but does anyway yeah sort of accidentally but then at the very end ichi who's ultimately the top bully <laughs> right. at that number point, one killer now they the kid kicks the shit out of him at the very end it's just this weird shifting of all of that i just and yeah it, it's that if we talk about dynamics the whole thing for me is that everything is almost confusing in this and as we were talking about, like, I'm making notes as i'm watching and i'm like but does this mean oh this is like it's too deep and dense parts of it yeah. to, to be able to really talk about emotion or you need that's the other thing that I was taught that's why I think there's a superior film inside this film because um the it it seems to be real fly by night in terms of like when it's choosing temporal distortion between scenes versus like in like you mentioned memento which is not te- not as much temporal distortion but more of like unreliable narrator distortion where in between the scenes we don't know what 
we don't know who knows what at what time. I was actually thinking of the Karen scene where yeah. Gigi explains how he's taken over all the mobs by hypnotizing people. Right. And there's and I thought it was just very haunting. It's the long pause and she goes. And when the scene comes in, you're like, why is she with him? She's on right. the opposite side. See, yeah. And then at the end she goes, wait, are you hypnotizing me? And he goes, of course not. And yeah, that's a, that, that, he says it after a that, beat. Yeah, <laughs> that, to like, me, that's when they're at their best yeah. is when Itchy, when he himself is not like unsure of his, like we should show it through the film how he is like trying to formulate reality. Mm-hmm. And so a desynchronous version of that in the movie is like a cool thing. But then they also do this time slippage thing where we're like doing flashbacks and stuff and it's not all entirely in time if even if it's from Ichi's perspective like we see the history of like the whole first act to me is was like hard to follow because I was like unsure of like is Anjo dead or is that a different guy like we haven't seen Ichi yet who's Ichi like I thought for also first viewing, well, by the way, because all the posters of our you think I totally thought, Ichi. yeah, I totally thought that that was uh, which the thing I that did. I remember that my first time watching it, yeah. I thought he was Ichi until because he's about, a killer. He's got a Glasgow smile; like yeah. everything makes sense. Well, well you don't up. see Ichi do shit. The until poster is just through. admitting that the Joker is cooler than Batman. Which right, is true. <laughs> um, I'll say this: I disagree, and yet see why you say that. Uh, this is my third viewing, and. Maybe I'm wrong, but my interpretation now has reached the place of total straightforward. No, no, no. I don't think there is time slippage. I think it's just a movie that cuts into a lot of scenes in Medias Rest Mm -hmm. and cuts out at the earliest possible moment, giving you as minimal information. But I feel like I could now, and I'm not going to because it would take too long, say... Day one, this happens, then this happens, then this happens, then this happens. I think so, And they never too. change time except the brief moments where Ichi has flashbacks when he's going to orgasm. Or you're being told of what Ichi... Okay, or uh, when specifically he's like But I'm not trying to like be smug because it took three viewings and it took me writing down everyone's names on a slip of paper and freeze-framing and looking up the actor's face and being like... Okay, he is the boss of all the gangs. Now I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think my first viewing, I didn't understand that it was actually essentially a triad war or right. syndicate that war. That it's Funaki's versus. Didn't have yeah. any clue of that, I think, Suzuki, my first time around. It's a great twist that I never got to this time. You're like, Suzuki undergoes all this torture, and the whole time you're like, well, he's undergoing all this torture because he doesn't know anything. Then it turns out, no, 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 he really was the rat, mm. and he just withstood the torture. Which is, I got to say, just as like a plot hole joke, uh, Kakihara is the world's luckiest detective. Whoever happens to be in front of him at any given time, he just goes, you took the boss, didn't you? And he's almost always right. It's like just whoever comes into his field of view. Yeah. And then he stabs you with like shards of glass. And goes, didn't you? Didn't you take the boss? Right, right. Also, what world is this where there's just like businessmen walking on the street normally when uh, what's Kano's just like speared together like a porcupine in a TV. Left in the if you want to ask the moments that are hilarious in this movie, <laughs> that shot is one of them where it just cuts to and there he is and it slowly backs out. Right. And Plucked he's there, he's eyeball. in a trash pile yeah. and people are going to work. Right. And it's like, <laughs> whatever, there's a guy who's 
Like it's it's a disturbing, awful. Like again, yes. I love the effects that they did in this. Another but one, it, another one to me was when they're on the roof burning a body, and the and kid just is playing kid, soccer. <gasps> Not even soccer. He's just kicking a fence. They, yeah. No, he's just kicking like uh, plants. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just like whatever. And it's just like all right. I guess you you're in a post violence. Society. Which, of course, could be social satire on right. the order of uh, Dawn of the Dead or whatever. Absolutely. Or Night of Living Dead. Which yeah. I wouldn't put past Mika given his other Right. Yeah. He films. probably thought it was hilarious when he got that shot. He, there's a reason why he put him in a fucking TV. Uh, I forget what movie it is, but there's a, like a Brooklyn comedy where... Oh, I think it's Joe's Apartment. The whole movie, there's a dead homeless man on the stoop, and he just steps Joe's over apartment. him every time. Yeah. The whole movie. Oh yeah, he's got a fork in his back. It's Joe's apartment. <laughs> All right, it's a weird fork connection. In back. It's whatever. Joe's apartment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So also the big thing that I got this time, and then had to search online and confirm it. I'm like, okay, that is what that means. Was that the final fight scene where Ichi kicks Kakihara in the head, and then it with the blade. And then I was like, why does Gigi look at his forehead? Oh, why is the wound missing? Oh, Kakihara jumped off the building and committed suicide while hallucinating the epic ending he wanted to have. Yes. That I finally got on this watch. Yeah. That took me, I don't know how many watches, so good job on the I, first uh, view. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> no, was third, watching third it. Third view. I, wa- I, was, I, I, I did a bad thing, and I was watching it, and as soon as... It looked at his forehead. I was like, "Well, what the fuck does this and mean?" And I just googled it, yeah, because it was because the movie had been bothering me. With I know you're gonna, you probably beat me because you've watched it more times in terms of like there's no time slippage. But I still, yeah. I still think that even if there isn't the in medias restness factor that you're talking about, where mm-hmm. it's like gets in, gets out, which is usually a good law to obey almost always. Uh, it it is super disassociating you from it the is. drama and to I would think I would say an ill effect. You because, actually have to make assumptions about who right. some characters are, like Which, what their role is in the gang. In, it's never said explicitly. In the case of character, uh, the character of Ichi, yeah, fuck yeah, that's how you should do that film. Someone's because he just literally has a stress disorder. Yeah. yeah, and uh, but in terms of like just the number one, like. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it feels like all of the triad stuff. Like, why are we watching this movie that sh- is very cut and dry about what it's about? Mm-hmm. Being like, it took me three viewings to get that it was a fucking triad battle. I have <laughs> like, to imagine. Why did you do that? There's then? also got to be a cultural literacy thing, only in the sense that. That might be If true. I watch Road to Perdition, I'm like, because I've seen you pick up on new movies, yeah. I would probably pick up on roles quicker. Like, he's the Or locations when they're like, oh, we're uh, Shinjuku district. Yeah. yeah. Like, they have a lot of little references in there that I'm far too stupid and culturally illiterate about Japan to know that Is it means that... more than like, oh, right. no, I live in Silver Lake. Right, like right, right. No, there's yeah. a. This is the Russian area. That's where the roughs live. And then, right, like, right, right, right. Like, it's a big revelation to me when I'm like, oh, this is a gang-controlled nightclub where they have mm. prostitutes. I understand where we are. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, yeah. I had that moment when. Uh, <laughs> so he he basically after he's uh, after he's been kicked out of the uh, triad or like the groups, and he comes back and he's like, "I'm taking over the Anjo group," and then it shoots straight out of that like, part is funny. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah, it cuts straight to like a shot of like, look at these motherfuckers as they're like walking down toward camera, yep. kind of like. Reservoir dog shot, but like more frontal. Frontal, straight, yeah. yeah. And uh, right in the background is KFC. Yeah. And I immediately was like, 
Well, I bet that has some commentary that I'm not aware of. Like, oh, I, I don't know. You know. like I bet that meant something what to I the filmmakers. What I love about that shot because is I'm not Japanese. Kakihara just uses signature weapon, which is like sewing needles, right, to pin a guy's foot to a board. <laughs> so it's a badass reservoir shot, except one right. guy is wincing. One guy's wincing as he walks. Right. Yeah. He's trying to take it off and like kick it off as <laughs> yeah. he's going. But he, but he doesn't want to give. Up. Like he has to keep moving. I've got to be cool. He still. recognizes that they all look really cool. <laughs> Yeah, I did want to ask the part about the end I don't get is at the very end it flash forwards you presume some number of years Gigi has hung himself in a tree and a kid looks back and it freeze frames I think that kid is Takeshi grown up but what does that mean why did Gigi hang himself Brooks, any theories? Not a clue Okay, Okay. There's there's parts of this if you were to go what about this scene I'd be like uh, Maybe it's like the graduate I, where he's like, I just wanted the final note to be even the guy who won, his life is shit. He kills himself later. Yeah, I think obviously there's something that maybe there's something cultural about like hanging oneself or something like that that we're not uh, privy to or something like that. But um, if you look at a, the film as a closed system, it's obviously guilt killed him uh for something or something Which is weird because he leaves like, a very guilty life it seems like a world where no one feels right. guilt but okay there are a few yeah. moments that took me out of no, the film. and i, and I started you... trying to think through uh and this is where i start hating if i'm am i overthinking am i trying to be clever which right. i hate right. and did that mean that he ended up hypnotizing takeshi and turning him like Takeshi's at the end. He's the killer. Is and then Gigi's oh, like, Takeshi. And he's oh. like, oh, how I found Ichi is he was a kid. He was bullied. Ha ha ha. I made him bullied and I did this. You're and the I next could, Ichi. And oh, you're, you kicked the shit out of Ichi. You're better than Ichi. Now it's your turn. There's absolutely no reason to believe that whatsoever. And I don't know why right. I thought it. Because he didn't even think, yeah, no, he didn't me. even see no. Takeshi. Again, yeah. I'm stupid it is. sometimes. No, 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 but I like the idea that it's like it, the, it keeps going on, keeps going on. That's Yeah, but there's definitely it's aspect, clever. Because in the way the kick ass. <laughs> Overly clever, sadly. In yeah. the way the kick ass posited, what if Batman did kill because he would and Marvel just arbitrarily sanitized it so they could sell a thing? Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is saying, what if Batman. Thought he was Batman, but he's fucking nuts and he's killing random people and he doesn't even know that. Um, and that's interesting to me. Yeah. At least for two hours, it's enough to like fill my brain pan. We typically no, call that a villain. And it's the same, the same, <laughs> juxt- same juxtaposition and sense of humor. I don't know if you ever played Team Fortress, but yeah. the Pyro is yeah. like my favorite character when they did sure. that release. And the Pyro... What he sees from his view is like he's dancing around with people and everyone's happy and he's throwing flowers at them. And then it cuts to the real world where he's setting people on fire and killing them. I would love that juxtaposition. Ichi feels the same. Yeah. Like it's our old cracked cohort, Jay Pinkerton, left crack to write all the dialogue for Team Fortress. So that's all his his concept. I thought it was Portal. He did Portal, the script for as Portal well? 2 as well. Oh, he wow. didn't do the script for Portal 1. Portal 2 had an excellent But he's script. still a yeah. fucking heavy hitter as far as I'm concerned because yeah, Portal yeah. 2's script is... Phenomenal. Yeah. There's a few moments, Not just, I'm not talking about the CG because we can talk about... like They did their best and sometimes they did their it's best. good, sometimes yeah, it's bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to fault him for any of that. There are mo- moments that did take me out of it, which I don't know why we needed to show that uh, Gigi was strong. <laughs> That sucked. That straight up sucked. That like was, the face replacement uh, is one thing, but that like was it's more weird like as, as shit. a beat in the story. And yet it's classic in it. I'm sure it was in the manga, so they felt obliged. This is not my final but form. But it's kind also of shit. a classic trope in manga, especially about Yakuza warring. 
that you get to the final guy and it's old an old man and you go, oh, he's just going to take out this old man. And, and it turns out because of the power of his belief, he's super strong. Right. Um, if you saw Ricky O, the story of Ricky. If you saw Kung Fu Hustle. The, Dra- Dragon yeah. Ball, man. Right, exactly. Like it. it's, there's a long tradition of, and you know, there's shit that we accept in American film tradition that I'm sure is just as stupid if we weren't steeped uh, However. In it. Your master blasters that and what scene, I was like, well, that's dumb. I that scene I had blocked out and <laughs> forgotten. And there's, a, this is not a movie that's easy to forget parts. Right. It sticks with you. That part, when it popped up, I went, What? Yeah, Gigi just flexing old man it's muscles. It's also the reasoning. <laughs> it looks so stupid. The reasoning for it, it just comes out of nowhere, too, because he has to. He has like a, a random aside that he just says to himself, or it's in his head, where he says, like, like Ichi has now gotten, he's now become his final form or whatever, and killing someone like this is beneath him. Like, you're a piece of shit, yeah. so I'll do it for I him. will do it. Like, and that's like, what kind but of even, logic is that? This guy's been super logical yeah. the entire time, and then all of a sudden he's like, I'm going to get in on this murder. And the plot of the movie is basically a hypnotist brings down the mob, even though he's not strong. And then he's right. like, I'm also well, strong. strong. <laughs> and you have to wonder if it's intended to be funny, because, again, the, the opening scene sets so much of the tone of the film. It, and it's like... Okay, so is it intended that he shows up and it's hilarious that he's... I don't know. I, they, don't. Uh, I love the final chase scene up the stairwell. The like right-hand man <laughs> of Kakihara yeah. continues to smoke without ever removing the cigarette from his mouth where he runs up three flights of stairs, and I'm like, that extra's just a hero on a physical yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's another moment that I, I thought was... Because you have to think about it, and I don't know, because you guys have talked, maybe this is something that everyone talks about and I just didn't, but it's something I noticed and I, noticed and I laughed out loud, uh-huh. which is the first time that Ichi and uh, Kaneko see, or sorry, uh, Kakihara and uh, Kaneko see Ichi. Yeah. Like, he's just been this mythic figure, and then they walk into the, like, torture of the another prostitute. Right. I think there's, like, three at this there's point. There's three murdered prostitutes. Yeah, that's just a true fact uh, <laughs> right. about this movie. And the... What am I doing then, with my life? And then, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then uh, he, they, like, so they walk up, and the other, like, one of the twins, one of the cops that was like helping him out and mm-hmm. doing the torturing, like, looks up at his, bro- looks down to his brother and sees he, uh, he's dead and the prostitute's dead, and he like looks around, and he's like, "What the fuck's going on?" And then he gets sliced because Ichi yeah. is in the room, and then immediately uh, they are at the threshold of the door looking now at Ichi murdering someone yeah. and they freak out and they run and we don't see a reverse shot because if you notice as they run two like three globs of cum hit the wall oh, right. yeah. so that means the first time that we saw he was jerking off on he a corpse was, he was like in yeah. his daredevil suit but he had his dick out and he was finishing up on a corpse yeah <laughs> and they're Look. like Batman, finally we meet. <laughs> yeah, I just thought he, because the shot before is him like, he's not masturbating. He's just like crouching around a corner. No, I think he, it's also, impl- because that's what's so interesting about there are even stricter anti-sex media laws in right. Japan than we have. So like, this guy will do fucking anything, and yet twice he's going to stab a guy in a dick or cut a guy's dick off. And that thing happens in movies when someone's like going to say a really bad word, but they don't want to. Someone comes in and is like, don't do that. Something else is yeah. happening. And I was like, Mother hunk, why would yeah. this movie of all movies shy away from genital mutilation? And I was like, oh, because they can't show the genitals. Yeah. And Mike's not going to not show the dick getting cut off. Right. Um, so I do think it's the same thing where it's like in – 
an American film that went this far, mm-hmm. it would be clear to me whether he's jerking off or he just has a spontaneous discharge. Right. It's actually not clear to me. He might just come when he kills So somebody. the fact that we're discussing this <laughs> yes. is weird, but I'm actually going to side with the idea that he's not masturbating and that it's a spontaneous orgasm because it seems to feel like at no point, this is why am I having this yeah, discussion? I love this. I love this. Uh, at no point during the film do we see him making the motions for right. masturbation. No. Do we see him actually actively enjoying it? This is not, at no point during the movie is Ichi intentionally doing anything to cause himself pleasure. He gets pleasure through this fucked up psychosexual situation yeah, he's right. witnessing. So I'm more inclined to say he's not masturbating. I agree, and I actually uh, think it's a know. cogent point because I think the reason the come is the title and it's his name is... He is symbolically come. Ichi is jizz incarnate. He is uh, the sheer moment of doing whatever you think you should do right now because you're overwhelmed with the impulse and not considering any of the moral ramifications and then feeling guilty afterwards. Mm Mm-hmm. Ichi is coming. (laughs) He is excess. Yeah, yeah. He's like no physical restraint over your animal feelings. That's just a... Oh, God. This is a barrel of monkeys. Batman's is cum. This That's just just my point. A barrel of cum right there. Um, what the fuck? But I did want to... So, oh, man. I want to bring up another great shot before I forget. Because we talked about one of the things we really liked in The Apostle. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Was the vice... God, I love that movie. The vice head squishing where you yeah. see the oh, point shit. of view shot where the blood comes into your field of view. I got that same feeling of like... Uh, there's a point where I think I forget who someone snaps someone's neck. It doesn't matter. And I've never seen it done from the victim's point of view. How oh, has yeah. that not that been was, done before? That was uh, Gigi when he breaks it and it just oh, tilts. That's the strong guy moment. Oh yeah. yeah that, that's, he breaks the dude's neck and it was so effective to do it was a, great. a POV where I, the camera just suddenly a, pans left. And, and you can tell it like it unhinges too. Yeah. It like drops a little bit. Like, so you know, it's not a perfect swivel like our, Head should be. Yeah. It's like a sh- uh, sh- swivel and a back up. Right. And it is that instant moment of, Ugh. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. Ugh. I do hear the crack. Ugh. Yeah. I, I hammered it before, and this is the last time I'll hammer it. But yeah, another aspect of the movie is it is cool. Like, it reminds me of Quentin Tarantino and Guy Ritchie and shit. Right. The cool moments. Oh, and, yeah. And this He's, is. He innovated cool shots. This is why it's hard for yes. me not to recommend it when people. When I talk about movies I love that have style. Ichi has style in spades. Like yeah. it is one of the first movie to do a lot of the stuff that it does. And you can see a lot of its influences in a million other things, not mm-hmm. least of which is like Tarantino and a lot of uh, Sundance style esque films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But man, he just nailed so many things that are like, amazing. Gr- grotesque, brutal violence seems to be like, I, I don't, if this movie hadn't been made in 2001, I think it would be a different story in 2019. Just because. Things like Bone Tomahawk and stuff like that. Like, they're. It's not that they're new or fresh or that this isn't any. Like, there's films that predated this that have, like, a lot of the style components. Um, but no, it's, that's it's like how Seinfeld how, isn't funny to people now because exactly, it's exactly. so common. Uh, no, no, no. no you it it introduce someone to it because they've seen Curb. Oh, and I see. It's yeah, funny it's, to me because I'm rewatching it. In 2019, if yeah. you introduce someone to any of the great episodes, they're like. Oh, it was, it was cool. If you put on the goggles of like watch it in time, which we have the ability to do, uh, then you can go like, but look how great. Like I was rewatching Buffy and it's like, 
holy shit, this is like a piece of trash. But then I watch it, and then another part of Buffy happens, and I go like, you know what, this is a good show. I'm sticking with it. I'm sticking with it, but, you know, I'm just going to ignore the trash parts, I guess. I'll just say, if you guys will indulge me for a minute, uh, I think on this topic, I was so blown away by... So in my notes, I always write something like, compared to blank, there's usually two or three per movie, where it's like, this reminds me of that. And I don't know what it means, but I think it's good. Oh, no. That in this one, I was like, this reminds me of Lockstock. This part reminds me of Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. This mm-hmm. part reminds me of Goodfellas. This part reminds me of the Reservoir Dog. Like, this part reminds me of Memento. This part reminds me of Kill Bill. This part reminds me of Punch Drunk Love, the constant crazy drum score mm-hmm. whenever someone's going to die. Yeah. So it just feels like that means something. Like, I don't know. I'm leaning, it means a big bag of tricks. I'm leaning towards accepting as a personal belief that Mike is the version of Tarantino I like. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I like Tarantino. I think this I'm is... I'm okay with Tarantino, and I think Inglorious Bastards is a masterpiece. That's where I am with him. <laughs> Fair enough. I happen to be a giant fan of his. We will discuss that yeah, another I think, time. Uh, I think this movie is half Juan Carwise Chunking Express and half... Kill Bill by Tarantino. Not to say, and that yet it predates. Of course, it predates that one of them and is after another. Uh, but yeah, all of the style of like, like there's one point that um, he's uh, Kakiara is talking to Karen, uh, explaining that like, I forget what they're talking about because you can't hear it. She's speaking in English. I, you can only read it in the subtitles if you watch it on like Amazon Prime or whatever. Right. But um, the music score just is way too loud that you don't understand what they're saying. And it's like this rock track uh, or rock track, uh, like an American rock track, yeah. which is what they're doing with Karen is she like represents like American, you know, which is why her character affectation is yeah. she speaks 50, 50 in English or Japanese. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's cool. Yeah. I'm fairly well. It's like a good Batman. Villain yeah, trope. exactly. <laughs> uh, but like all that stuff comes from, Actually, generations of like I would say more often than not Chinese filmmakers than mm-hmm. Japanese filmmakers. It's an interesting kind of thing, but uh, yeah. And then there's the grotesque violence to throw that in there, uh, and it just feels like it's it's perfectly an East versus West film, kind of in the same way that spaghetti westerns were both Italian and American. Uh, I saw a lot of Leone in that. Like I yeah, really thought it was sure like. If good and the bad and the ugly snorted cocaine. Because <laughs> it also has that sprawling odyssey structure. I'm pretty sure the bad's always snorted cocaine. Where you're like, there's just these forces and they both have goals. It's not act one, two, three. It's more episodic. Which makes sense because it's adapted from a manga, but... Mm-hmm. I like it. I mean, that's. I think I'm out of actual observations. Yeah, yeah. Anyone else? Before well, we my, last, my last thing is, is uh, if you've ever been a person who's been curious about Mike. And this is fucked up to say. To me, this is his most accessible and best film to start with. And if at any point you turn this off, you're done. Don't go further. I think yeah, so too. I think you, there's an even uh, quicker way to do that, which is that if Show you... Show the last 20 minutes of the audition. Uh, just watch his short on The Three Extremes, which has other oh. filmmakers. It's called Box. Yeah. There's another one called Dumplings. And it's just like yeah. you see... It's like it's basically audition. The audition. Dumplings is... Really got it. That's the one where it's Dumplings like is pretty. combining body horror with back alley abortions, right? 
You know, that's rough. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> you know, you know what's especially hilarious is that I had like in college when I was watching a lot of Asian a lot of cinema. Yeah. Uh, I watched Dumplings and Tempopo back to back. Oh my god! <laughs> Tempopo is about like creating the best dumpling, and yeah, I was like, yeah, I yeah. couldn't. I was like, wait, which one? Which which scene? In what movie was this scene? <laughs> Needed a palate cleanser, threw on Grave of the Fireflies. You're right, done. Yeah, Take yeah. a nap. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I have no more thoughts either. All right. Well, thanks so much for being here, Brooks. Oh, no. Thanks for having me. Um, I look yeah. forward to doing it again. Do you have anything to plug the listeners? Or are you not that type of creative? Like things you've been listening to? Or I mean, I know like projects that? you're working on, but they're not like you would plug them. No, right I've got nothing <laughs> to personally plug. Uh, that's it for me. I'm easy. All right. Sweet. Cool. Till next time. All right. Hey, it's Abe. We're doing this video thing called Off Hours, which is reminiscent of the old guard, After Hours. It's a show where people talk pop culture around a table and hopefully have some insight you didn't have. I don't know. Say it at parties and be impressive or whatever. We got writers like Adam Ganser, Tom Ryman, Michael Swaim, David Bell, myself. The cast so far is Michael Swaim, Cody Johnson, Maggie Mayfish, Katie Stoll, Greg Burke, Daniel Vincent Gord. Our plan is to keep making this show as much as you'll have us. Please support us at patreon.com slash small beans. We love you.